Hi, peeps. Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate or visit me on Patreon. Thanks. Hi, friends. It's Sarah May. Um, today I'm doing a super ghetto record. So apologies in advance if you hear background noise. Um, okay, so this is an episode for uh, a listener, and it is about overcoming a binge eating disorder. And I want to say in advance, if anybody out there listening, my goal for this episode is not to oversimplify or in any way to be dismissive of how complicated or difficult eating disorders are. So if I'm in any way disparaging your particular issue or I am oversimplifying what you got, you're going through or going, have gone through, not my intention at all. This is very much based on my particular experiences as well as a few books. And I know this is kind of a big topic. It's a heavy topic. So I'm going to try and take a chip off of the iceberg that is the issue, but... Um, this is a starting point, put it that way. And I know that disordered eating is is kind of a a pretty common issue. It's I would say it's rampant in today's society. It's like the more we focus on ourselves, the more we pick those selves apart and the more disconnected from our bodies and what they need we become. So what I'm covering is is how to begin the process of conquering a binge eating disorder, whether that's Binging or binging and purging or uh, some, I don't know, intense body dysmorphia that comes with withholding food and then kind of overdoing it with food. Um, so basically, imbalance with your relationship to food. And I think it will apply to you if you are suffering from any kind of disordered eating. I'm less addressing anorexics because that's got its own specific thing but I think it, you'd get something out of it if that's what you're suffering from um, and the person that requested this is asking specifically about binging and because um, because those are a lot, a lot of different things I'm just gonna I'm as often as I can I'm gonna refer to all of those things as ed so I want you to think of ed like a a purple dark evil furry monster and he has a smoker's voice, and he lives in kind of the dark corner of your pantry. And he, maybe he's a she for you, but I'm going to say he, um, maybe, and he's always kind of whispering, and he's always saying really fucked up things. So Ed is like the code name for the all-consuming game that is my issues with food and my issues with weight and or my lack of control over food. So with that, with that somewhat creepy intro... There are three parts, as in all my episodes, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. So I will say, if you're on the fence about whether or not this episode will apply to you, I'm going to ask you this. Are you happy with your weight, and do you live your life, first and foremost? Or does your weight dictate your happiness to you, and does your regimented routine live life for you? 
Like, are you trapped in a cycle of obsession that occupies a majority of your time and focus? Are you constantly fixated on a scale or on what you ate or if something is too tight or do you find yourself constantly needing to exercise for fear you won't burn enough calories today? Are you living your life or is this routine of thinking and feeling and worrying living you? Because I know this is a triggering topic that might scare the shit out of you so much that you might want to turn a blind eye to it altogether, know that I am speaking from my own personal experience on this topic, in addition to a few books. So at the very least, know that you're getting someone's success story, and I believe it's possible for you. So I would say this doesn't have to be your life sentence. Just listen. Just try this on for size. With that, here's part one, the what. A fucked up relationship to food and feeding yourself, one that involves fear and cycles of terror and remorse. Eating that is disordered, that is not natural, relaxed, normal, quote-unquote, or logical. Eating has become foreign and dangerous, like a process that you cannot feel safe with. And maybe that's because eating has become a soothing process that causes you to evacuate your feelings and go somewhere else, so you're no longer at the wheel of your conscious body. Or maybe that's because you've always had to diet to stay thin enough, or even just normal, and you're, al- you're always barely keeping up with where you want to be. You have to be super focused and strict, which means you're always monitoring yourself and seemingly always hungry, and that is exhausting. But to stop that process, monitoring is more terrifying, so you can't imagine doing it because your worst fear is being fat and you don't trust your body. Or maybe you have been managing your weight by withholding as much as you can and exercising a ton, but then you always end up slipping up and destroying all your progress when you're at a compromised place. Maybe when you're tired or you're stressed or you're drunk or you're in a bad place emotionally. Or maybe you manage that type of behavior by purging. And every time you do it, you feel like, when am I going to fix this problem? How come I failed again? Next time I'm going to change. Next time it's never going to happen again. If only I just try a little harder, this won't happen to me. So regardless of which category you fall in, you're doing something that you're not proud of. Maybe this is your biggest skeleton, and it makes you feel trapped in a loop and emotionally occupied. And you don't feel whole, and you don't feel like you're yourself, or you're safe, or you're capable of that seamless kind of intimacy, where you can be close to someone and have them know all of you. Which means you're never fully in your life. You're never able to fully be seen by someone else, whether that's a friend or a romantic partner. And sometimes it feels like you're being disconnected from your body and with that, completely disconnected from who you are. Maybe you don't even know how you feel anymore. Maybe you don't even know what makes you happy or what you want because you are so detached from your body and yourself. And because this loop has not been solved up until now, maybe it's been years. Maybe it's been most of your life. That makes you feel hopeless and devastated and lonely, and maybe resigned. So with that, let me get to part two, 
the why. This is an issue related to control and our inability to confront feelings about ourselves. One thing that a lot of us, meaning us, like people who have disordered eating, uh, a lot of people have in common is black and white thinking. We suffer from issues like these because we think we can and should be able to solve them by ourselves. Because we've always been the ones to solve all of our own issues and often those of our family. And we think if we can't solve it or we don't know how to, we won't and no one will. And that's because we grew up thinking that we were this way because often it was true. And that is what I call the curse of the empowered child. As an adult, you approach everything from a position of maintaining control and also secrecy and a super militant and harsh sense of self-judgment. We believe we have these almost superior or godlike abilities beyond everyone else in our lives. And that's often because we've had a bunch of people fail us and not see us and not understand how to help us growing up. So usually as an adult, you'll think, if I'm not winning at this disorder, it's because I'm not trying hard enough. I should just double down on my efforts. And obviously, something like this, it's not about effort. It's not about how much you try. It's, a, it's about focusing on the wrong facet of your problem. And in general, there are a lot of different causes for ED. I'm going to divide them into four big buckets. So the first bucket, I'm calling the game of dolls. And that means basically you're controlling feelings of low self-worth, hurt, or anger via this game of dolls called eating disorder. And that is what I believe a lot of us do when we are trying to empower ourselves in the face of really overwhelming toxic feelings. It's, it's like our brain wants to tell us we can control and fix all of our bad feelings um, by focusing on this one thing, but it's all a ruse. So in this situation, Ed usually comes into your life because you have feelings of low self-worth and or intense anxiety or intense agony or pain or anger or all of those things, usually towards a caregiver, which is very, very dangerous to feel. Because it means you, you threaten your source of love. You threaten your own survival. So Ed will whisper into your ear, this is why. This is your, because your body's this way. Because you ate too much. It's because you're, you know, this is what's wrong with you. And to exert control over your life, over this one thing, it allows you to feel like you're doing something to fix the pain. The feeling of whatever, low self-worth, of anger, of agony, of being invisible. It makes us feel like this is what will make me happier. And this is the reason I'm not happy. Or this is the reason I'm not seen. Or this is the reason that people don't respect me. Or this is the reason they don't care about me. Because of this problem. And so then we stick uh, a label on it. We label weight as the key to happiness. Happiness will come if I just have blank. A boyfriend will come if I just have blank. If I just have blank weight, I will get 5,000 followers. Or if I just don't have my thighs touch, then I'll be perfect. That's, that's my measurement for what will make me happy. 
If I could just be the weight I was at 20, that would make me happy. If I could just blank. So we create up this, we create this custom language or this custom logic. This is our game of dolls that we start playing. It's how we assign all of these very specific values to our weight and what that means in our life. And those become the rules of happiness, of how we attain happiness. We just, we obsessively play this game of dolls. So maybe yours is, if I lose five pounds, I will win a boyfriend and attention, which equals happiness. Or if I can match how I was in this one photo, then I will know I'm safe or I know I'm right. That means I'll be finally satisfied. But this game never ends. And what happens when you start playing it is you you can't win at it because the ultimate rules, the values are false. And what happens is we stop focusing on living. We stop focusing on how we feel because it's not about how we feel. It's really about the rules of the game. So we pick up the game of dolls, we play it with all our might, and then we are removed from our personal experience and our feelings because they're not part of the game. They have no value. In fact, they seem to work against us. And we abandoned our ability to be guided by our body's wisdom, and instead we more intensely double down on the game of dolls. So this is also a reason a lot of people end up binging and purging, is because you don't you're, you're stuffing your feelings, you're suppressing your feelings instead of expressing them. You're, you're trying to control and betray them. You're trying to say, like, don't feel that. Don't have those needs. And binging and purging is like a, its own game of dolls because instead of confronting anger or extreme hurt, usually towards a parent or a caregiver, you're enacting a specific action that I would... I would say, is its own occupation. It's its own game. It's like having a job. I have to procure all of this food. I have to ingest all of this food. And then I have to vacate all this food. That is like a full-time job that takes up a whole lot of energy and focus. Um, And it puts it in your body and your power. It's not something that's external to you. Um, And usually this is something that is more appealing to our emotions than confronting the extreme agony we feel, let's say, from a caregiver not knowing we exist. Because it's much safer to take matters into your own hands versus expressing that need to the caregiver and potentially losing their love. Because they can abandon you and not love you anymore. And that basically allows you to eat the feelings and take it out on yourself versus confront them. All right, that's the first bucket. The second bucket, sort of similar. It's got some overlap. This is the the wrong label. So I would say this is when you have a major trauma or many traumas that allow you to, um, the eating becomes a way for you to in, relieve the intense, overwhelming uh, anxiety and triggers that cause you to feel panicked and powerless. So in many ways, this is actually a healthy reaction to have to a trauma uh, because the most damaging thing about a trauma is powerlessness. That's what causes it to really fuck up your brain when you are not active in helping yourself. So by becoming active in soothing the intense feelings of powerlessness by like, quote, fixing it, you actually help yourself feel less intensely traumatized. And that is why a lot of eating disorders begin right around the same time a trauma occurs. It's basically our way of empowering ourselves 
in the face of those feelings. So what we do is we stick a, a label on it. We stick a label on the feelings. We say, uh, it's, it's my body. It's food. And then we start to obsess with that one factor. It's like we figured out a way to make ourselves feel like we're in control of the intense anxiety and the PTSD uh, because we, we labeled it, my thighs are too big, and or the number on the scale is too big. But the label's false. So the really fucked up part of this soothing game is that you can never win it because it's never been about the weight at all. You've invented a new issue. Bucket number three, invisibility cloak. So a lot of people develop disorder of eating because uh, it's a reaction to too much attention and attention that's potentially dangerous or threatening to us. So for example, sexual attention. A lot of people overeat because on a subconscious level, they don't want to be seen. And being slightly overweight or larger is a great way to hide and not get as much um, sexual attention specifically, but attention in general. Often this is what people do as a result of sexual abuse or emotional abuse, and they will have absolutely no idea that those are the feelings that are motivating the eating. Food also becomes a comfort chemically, like there is a drug reaction in your brain that's, you know, giving you like a relaxing feeling, but it's also the invisibility cloak that that is what maintains it. It's like as soon as we stop being a focus of a very particular kind of attention, we feel safer and less vulnerable. Another subconscious reason for maintaining a state of overweight is feeling that we cannot express ourselves. So what we do is we internalize feelings and stuff them down. Uh, and so that's usually when you feel when your feelings are a threat to your source of love. Bucket number four. A taste of the high life. A lot of the time, uh, eating disorders come about when we get a certain ideal into our heads that is really unnatural and unsustainable. For example, let's say you got a parasite when you were on vacation and you lost 15 pounds and suddenly lots of people complimented you on your looks or you got hit on a bunch. And in that moment, your brain would say, I should be this weight. That would be great. That would be ideal. However, that is an irrational goal that just like maintaining a heroin addiction, is a full-time job. And it's not necessarily good for your body. So similar to how actors have trainers and nutritionists making shakes for them and working out with them intensely, it's like you have to live managing every aspect of your food and exercise. Everything is, it becomes about maintaining this imbalance. And the sheer amount of focus of which um, is required creates a disordered relationship, an unnatural relationship to your body and also to your appearance. So I want you to think about before every, you know, back in the day, let's say, you know, no one has electricity yet. Entertainment is really just, you know, playing a jug and dancing <laughs> or reading. And you had to go to sleep when the sun went down. People didn't have the, the luxury, but also the curse that is all of this time and focus on ourselves and feedback about ourselves and what our thighs are doing. And that time, although it was harder, life expectancy was shorter, 
It was a lot easier, though, in this department, in the personal appearance department, because we just had, we didn't have to think about it. We had a natural balance that allowed our food intake to be guided by what was available and whether it was dinner time. So food wasn't an obsession. It was like sleeping. It was something you needed to do every day to stay alive. But it didn't occupy more space than that. So nowadays, because of all the hyper-focusing, we have, it, it starts to create an unhealthy obsession. It's like we get, we, it's its own tiny game of dolls. So anyway, when you get this taste of the ideal, this unnatural ideal, you start to obsess. And as soon as you start to obsess, you lose connection to objectivity and also reality. And we completely lose a connection to being able to see accurately. That is, that's what's key. Like we start to hallucinate. It's, you, you get warped vision. As soon as you start to fixate and obsess, your eyes start to lie to you. And in that process, you, you become increasingly more disconnected from what you actually need to do in order to stay physically healthy and balanced and for your brain to work and also complete awareness of the reality of what you look like. So with disordered eating becomes comes a distorted way of seeing things and thinking about things like weight and food. It gets worse and worse. And that's when the real shit hits the fan. With all of these buckets, the really fucked up part of this issue is that with the imbalance in your body and food intake comes a disabling of your mental capacities. Especially if you are withholding and or binging, because yes, you need the fuel to actually think, but you're also flooding your brain with chemicals, like a chemical process is taking place that causes you to crave it um, repeated again. So it starts to create kind of an unhealthy groove in your body. It's a huge catch-22. And with imbalance and the need to, let's say you're withholding, Whenever you're withholding, you're creating a greater tidal wave of need. So your body will try to reset itself by fueling itself. So you can actually become chemically addicted to the chemical release that takes place um, because sugar and fats hit the reward reward center of the brain. And because of the chemical reactions caused by the food, it can make you kind of zone out into a zen-like state. And that's why a lot of people stress eat. I don't want to focus on that part. I don't want to focus on the damaging parts in your brain chemistry because truthfully, you can repair your body and your brain at any stage in your life. And there are people that have, there's one guy in particular, I'll put a link in the show notes, who has figured out a way to reverse diabetes. It's, you just have to get super hardcore. So I would not, I don't want to focus on that in this episode Um, because what I really want you to do is start the process and actually confront this issue so that you can finally be free and happy. Which brings me to part three, the how, the tools. All right, the first tool is called make the questions real. So I want you to put this on your to-do list. And to do that, I just, all I want you to do is find a single solid resource. That's it. Just like you know how to 
research buying a new washer. I want you to do some Googling, some cold, hard Googling research and find one concrete, real resource. And I want you to make it objective. So that means Google the therapists in your hood who specialize in your particular issue. I know for me, that was really challenging just to even start to look at the issue or mean it because when you've been suffering for a really long time, it feels you feel like you're beat by it. And it feels really uh, ex- like you're exposing yourself or making yourself vulnerable to start even the process of looking into research. And it also feels scary because you might be too terrified to give up your eating disorder. It's just like smoking. You start thinking that it is your friend. It is keeping you safe. It is the only thing between you and the utter chaos in your worst life and obesity and loneliness and no one will love you anymore and whatever it is. This is the, in many ways, the hardest part, but it's also the easiest part because all I'm asking you to do is just start and do it. I would do it right now while you're listening to this. Just pick up your phone, whatever it is, Google therapist, comma, zip code, comma, eating disorders. Make it real. And know that there are many who suffer way worse than you who have recovered. They've gotten help and they are now happy and they're proselytizing about the reasons to get help. And uh, you can be one of those people. Fear and believing that this is helping you is tricking you into inaction right now. Right? That's the first tool. The second tool is called build the dream team. So I want you to begin to cast the uh, team of professionals that can give you as much information as possible from all different angles. And because this will happen on your terms. It's not like suddenly you call a therapist and then you lose complete control of your life. This will happen at, at the speed you decide on your terms. You get to decide how this takes place. So things won't go too fast for you. They will go exactly the speed they need to and they will be done in the fashion that you need them to be done. So by build a dream team, I mean, maybe that means you're hiring a nutritionist um, or you're consulting also a personal trainer that's going to help you like maybe limit the exercise you're doing. Maybe you're over-exercising right now. You need wisdom from outside of you. That is the most important aspect of your dream team. For me, that was a therapist, a nutritionist, and a naturopath or naturopath. People say it different ways. Uh, I highly recommend a naturopath or a naturopath because that is a, it's kind of a, like a more holistic version of a um, nutritionist. It's somebody that's got a little bit of a background in emotions and where they're stored in the body and how people process emotions and how your body can kind of clog up or stop working the way it wants or the way it should as a result of emotional experiences. Um, and they can men- in many ways give you kind of like a a better handholding in this particular kind of issue. Um, and if you're not sure how to find your dream team, just start with the counselor or with the therapist that sp- specializes in your particular issue, and then they can help you cast the rest of your team. And I would say just whatever your search term is, just interview therapists based on their particular experience in that um, in that facet of what your issue is. For example, you would Google therapists, comma, trauma, comma, eating disorders. I would say that's a pretty common focus for therapists. Um, And the reason I think it's 
also helpful to add in nature path is it can be really helpful to regain or work simultaneously on regaining the chemical balance in your body while you're working on the brain part of this. It's just giving yourself an edge uh, when you're course correcting because your body's going to go through some ups and downs in this process. And I think that's really helpful because you're, you're reteaching yourself how to feed yourself and you're reteaching your body how to receive food and digest it pro, uh, properly. So it's helpful to have just that extra hand in this process because there will be moments when you want to jump ship and you panic. Um, also on this list of your dream team, I would add a good 12-step group or a help group. Even if it's a group help group that's um, not specific to this issue, but it's like a you know, a peripheral issue. For example, uh, adult children of alcoholics might be a help group that you would find a lot of support from if that's something that you went through. And you will find it enables you more in this particular process of healing. Uh, And that's because it's helpful to be around others who are struggling with issues of control and powerlessness. And it can be a safe haven. It can be one of the most profound forms of relief and healing you will get in your life. I highly recommend it. Even though it seems really creepy when you're on the outside, you're like, I don't want to do that. That's gross. It sounds icky. But then you'll find the right group. So Google help groups and then put in your uh, zip code. All right, next tool. Balance role model. So I want you to pick a role model in your life, someone who has a healthy relationship to food, Someone who has balanced habits, who does not obsess, who feeds their body well. And I just want you to begin to observe them and take mental notes about what types of things they do and what types of habits they keep. What is their routine? Um, How often do they exercise? What type of exercise do they do? Do they have a meditation practice? And the reason, main reason for this one is I want you to know that there are Lots and lots of people who don't think about food or dieting or weight, and they are happy. And that can be you. It doesn't have to be so much work. It doesn't have to take up so much time and so much energy. It can be innate and logical. And you can look the way you want, too. It doesn't mean you're giving that up. It just means it can come from another more intelligent wise place in your person. You don't have to monitor it. Your body does it for you. Um, the next tool I have, this is kind of a, a no-duh. <laughs> I want you to buy one book. I want you to start educating yourself on how your particular issue works. I know there's like, there can be a barrier to doing this because there's like it's almost like admitting that it's real. There's a lot of shame and fear around buying books that are too revealing. Because so you're like, what if someone looks at my phone? Or what if someone opens the package? Or whatever it is. It can also make Ed perk up and get aggressive. Like he might start challenging you and being like, you want to be fat? You want to give up on me? Huh? Do you? And you'd be like, fuck you, Ed. So do it with your eyes closed. Just do it right now. Open the Amazon app. Uh, or wherever you buy books. Just get a book whatever it is, on your specific issue. And do it while the rest of your brain is looking the other way. Do it without thinking. All right, the next tool. This is a biggie. This is only to do if you're ready. 
uh, it's a journal prompt. And maybe if you're not ready to do this now, I would save this one and definitely do it. The tool is set the goal for real. So this may or may not be relevant to your particular kind of eating disorder. So sorry, and don't feel neglected if this is not yours. I will have separate prompt for you if this is not about attaining an ideal for you. So this is one of the hardest things to do. But the key to everything you want in your life is setting the right goal. And that is to be healthy and balanced first and foremost. Not to suffer from this issue anymore. And not to be a victim of this obsession anymore. To be free and to be healthy and to be happy first and foremost. So the journal prompt I want you to journal about, set that goal and mean it. Say to yourself, I want health and balance and happiness and I want to live more than anything else in my life, regardless of what that means for my weight. Take weight off the list of your goals. And I know that feels like it's going against what you want, like it's falling backwards, but that's the irony. In order to get the perfect weight and the perfect body, you have to make the goal into health and balance and freedom from disordered eating. Everything you want in your life comes from that. I'm starting from my health and happiness comes first. And including your, the weight you want to be. That comes from having balance and being guided by what's best for your body, first and foremost. You have to do this for yourself, not at the cost of yourself. Because by doing this at the cost of you, you are betraying and disconnecting and hurting you. You will never win at life when you are abusing yourself to do it. And you can have it all if it comes from a place of your goal is holistically to help yourself stay healthy and balanced and connected to yourself. So if your your goal is not about an ideal, I would say your journal prompt is say I choose just make it official. Say and is most like the most in tuned and connected to yourself and meaningful and ritualistic state of mind you can possibly get into. Basically make a promise to yourself to go all in on fixing this issue. Say, I choose to help myself no matter what it takes. And I choose to go all in and I mean it. I want to help myself overcome this issue and shed this issue and be able to be connected to my body and trust my body again. It's just about really officializing I don't even think that's a word, but it's making it official that you are embarking on this mission to help yourself get healthy and balanced once again. And then past that, it's really just buy, like buying a washer. It's like you start doing the research and you start building the team and you make it more real. And know that this, the answers to your problem will not come from what you already know. The reason you haven't solved this yet is because you haven't hired the right people or you haven't gotten the right outside information. It, if you could solve it, you would have already. It's not about effort. It's not about whether or not you're smart enough. This is a powerful, very complex 
combination of things that are happening in your body and you need outside help. So the next tool is called Ghost of Present Past, (laughs) aka the five-year visit. So I want you to imagine yourself time traveling five years into the future, and I want you to mentally just go there right now and visit yourself. What do you want your life to look like? What ingredients do you want it to have? What are the things that are different? Do you have a great romantic relationship? Are you relaxed? Do you have very healthy practices? Are, how do you feel? How does it feel to be relieved of this issue? What are all the amazing benefits that come from not having to worry about food and about feeding yourself correctly and about weight? Really go there uh, emotionally and set that, set that goal for yourself because you can have that and I want you to have that. I want you to really mean it and go for it versus avoiding it. All right, the next tool, purple monster voices or fiction champ. So this is for your journal. I want you to write the story down in your journal of what your issues are with food and why you have those issues. So I want you to do this without editing yourself and basically clearly describe to yourself why you are suffering and what needs to change. And after you do that, maybe on a a different day, preferably in the morning, I want you to look at that story and see if you can highlight any time you've spot the voice of Ed. What are the disordered thoughts? What do they say? And this is just for you to begin to become familiar with Ed's voice, his purple monster voice. When he's talking through your brain and knowing, um, or when he's saying things that you know are dysfunctional and that you know are unhealthy, that is Ed. It's not you. And that is what you are going to be working on separating from over time. So if you're wondering whether or not you have to see a therapist to overcome Ed, I would say that's a yes. Uh, it doesn't mean that it has to be a one-on-one therapist. It could be a group therapist. It could also be a naturopath or a coach or a wellness coach. or It could be any cocktail of people that I haven't thought about or learned about yet. But you need someone outside of your head to help you overcome him. Um, so that's my starting point. Those are my starting point tools. And uh, before I close... I want to thank my latest sponsors, in particular Petra and Robin. Thank you for a huge donation. You made my day. Thank you so much. Thank you to all my Patreon patrons. Uh, And thank you so much for all of your reviews. They're amazing and wonderful, and they make me cry. And if anyone out there has time for a review on iTunes, these help me immensely. Um, And if you have the means to make a donation, those really help me make this show possible. So I thank you all so, so much. In closing, I need you to know that if you are suffering from an eating disorder, they call it a very slow suicide because you're very much killing yourself. You're living at the cost of your life. And I would say this is one major thing that blocks you from so much happiness in your life, so many of the things in your life that you deserve 
to enjoy. And if you just choose to look at this now and make health your goal, that is the key to your success. Just saying, I choose to to work on this. That is the key. That's it. That is the hardest part, but it's the most important part. Say, I choose life, just like in train spotting, and mean it. And and if you can do it now, you're not fucked. I know you feel like you're fucked, but you don't have to be fat. You don't have to be out of control. You don't have to be anything you don't want to be, but you have to put your health first. And know that there is no such thing as too late. My eating disorder was 15 fucking years, and my body and my brain fully recovered. Yes, this will be incredibly challenging, but it'll be so incredibly worth it. I feel like I'm going to cry. It's so worth it. And one day, you will not even think about food or eating or worry about it. It won't be part of your identity. It will be like all those people you know who eat what they want and they don't diet and it's effortless. And I know that sounds too good to be true, but that it, you can have that. It could be your life. And doesn't that sound amazing? It is amazing. It's like, imagine a, a life where you never have to think about this shit. It starts by choosing health and balance and your, what, your personal happiness first. But putting that above a number on a scale or whatever external goal you have. You've got to put your health first and the rest comes out of that goal. The most important thing I want to leave you with is you don't have to do this alone. The path is not visible from where you are today right now. The reason this feels impossible is because you don't have the information you need to get to where you're going. You will get so much more help and learning and insight than you currently have and that is going to be the key to your success. So don't feel like if, I, if it was possible, I'd know how already. That's not true. It's a process. It's an, an unfolding process that is done with the help of people by your side. You're not suffering because you aren't trying hard enough. You're probably trying so fucking hard that you're exhausted. And it probably takes so much energy to do what you do every day. And so much time. And so much pain. And so much worry. Your problem is not in the effort department. It's that you're not placing your efforts and attention in the right area. You've mislabeled the problem. The great part about relieving yourself of this issue is it frees up so much energy. And the fact that you've managed this on top of life for so long means that you are highly capable. You are what they call high-functioning. You have an incredible ability to hold shit together. And you're currently draining so much of your energy and so many of your resources by just managing this fucking problem because it takes caloric energy, it takes emotional energy, it takes time. It just occupies such a big chunk of your person. And without it, life gets a whole lot easier and lighter. And so do you. You are capable. You're not going to free fall and become a person you won't recognize. When you get the right help, You will become almost like you were when you were a kid, like the child version of yourself before you knew how to be disordered about food. It's like you get a natural balance back and food becomes intuitive. It becomes a logical thing that you you can feel yourself guiding it. It's like you don't have to to think about it. 
And with that, your, your body does a better job than you will. And I know I'm, I'm dangling quite a sparkling carrot here, but I want to do that because quite frankly, I was terrified to break up with Ed. And I'm sure you are too, because it feels like you're losing control. It feels like you're losing an edge. And your job is not to be a, a police officer for yourself. I'm sure you're fucking sick of it. It's a terrible job. It ruins your life. It ruins everything that means uh, fun. It, it makes life not enjoyable and moments not special. Your job is just to live. So I want to ask you, are you living your life or is your life living you? And how do you want it to be? Because you only get one ticket. What kind of ride do you want to take? I really hope you go for it. And know that I believe if you set the goal, you can have the health and then the happiness. Just start by saying, I want it, and really, really meaning it. The rest is just a process of Googling and moving your body to where it needs to go, despite what your brain might say, despite what Ed might say. So I, I really hope you go in on this goal. And I'm thinking about you, and I know that if this has plagued your life since 12 or 13, uh, this is probably really daunting and scary. But know that I was like you. I have several friends and clients who are like you. And you are not a lost cause. So don't give up on this dream and your happiness. You are logical. The things you do make sense based on what you have been through and what you have lived. And you deserve understanding and forgiveness, and relief. I hope this helps you, and I send you my love. And please, smile.